This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Consulting, leading experts for assessing and transforming management, sales, culture, and team performance. Learn more at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Hello again, everybody. It's the Manage Smarter Podcast. We are so pleased that you're here to join us today. We're going to be talking about business etiquette. I'm Audrey Strong. I am the Vice President of Communications here at Sales Fuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith. I am the president, CEO, and founder of Sales Fuel. And Audrey, one of the things that's really important when you mentioned etiquette, it's like that's just one component of this greater term that that managers who really want to be who move up in the ranks really need to have, or for that matter, uh, you know, staffers who want to become managers, it's something that, that they need to have is gravitas. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Exactly. The minute you don't have it, everybody notices. So we're going to kind of get into this with Deborah Thomas Neininger. She is the founder of DTM Productions International. That's a company that provides professional development training on all areas of international and domestic protocols, specializing in reputation management and communication effectiveness. Now, she brings to you more than 20 years of business etiquette communication, and self-presentation expertise. Everybody needs to have this. Rooted in behavioral science and successful human interaction. And get this, two books coming up this year, right, Deborah? Reputation Management, Building Your Brand, and Tweetables for Life. I love that title, available this summer. Deborah, welcome to the table. Thank you. Delighted to be here. So we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, business etiquette, and you had mentioned the term gravitas. Let's start with that and spool out from there. What is it? Well, it happens to be one of the new buzzwords, but it certainly is not a new attribute. In fact, it dates back to the times of the Romans, where it was considered to be one of the four pillars of character. And a person who possesses gravitas, they are trusted, they are highly regarded, they are not second-guessed. They have a certain presence about them that immediately makes people want to pay attention. So what are the other three pillars? That begs the question. <laughs> right, right. I think some of those have gone by the wayside because <laughs> gravitas really kind of embodies everything. But the word gravitas has been bounced around and misused so often in the recent, I would say, several months as to who possesses it and who doesn't by various news junkies. And I just think, wow. Gravitas is something to be taken seriously, and no, not everyone has it. In fact, my full title for my program is Gravitas, Do I Have It? Do I Need It? Where Can I Buy It? And <laughs> no, you cannot buy it, and most definitely everyone needs it, but you have to develop it in yourself. Well, let's talk about those first two questions. And how, how do you know if you have Gravitas, and as you, how do you know if you don't have Gravitas? A lot of it is going to be positioned in what are the responses that you're getting from people? How do people respond to you as far as your emails? Do they listen to you when you're giving a presentation? Do they interrupt you unnecessarily? Do they talk over you? So in other words, do you feel dismissed? Mm -hmm. If you have gravitas, people do not dismiss you. They want more of you rather than less of you. And also so, how they talk about you in the break room, too. Exactly. Well, and that's part of your reputation management expertise, which is what are people saying about you when you're not in the room to hear it? 
True. And a comment that I mentioned in one of my sessions just a week ago in Las Vegas, you should ever be surprised by what you hear that someone has said about you. If you are well managing your reputation, nothing's going to catch you by surprise because you carefully put out there what you want out there and you're very careful with how you protect your reputation. So why do you need Gravitas as a manager these days? If you want to be a serious leader, if you don't want to have to convince people to follow you, if they follow you because you're worth following, that's going to be the person who has that Gravitas because when you have Gravitas, you have a higher level of EQ. Your emotional quotient is much higher than those who do not possess Gravitas. You show more compassion. You're a better listener. People know that you will stand up and say what needs to be said at the right time, albeit it might not be popular. So there is going to be a variety of things that people will say, this is a leader, this is a manager who I trust without exception. I'm curious about what the little refinements like uh, grammar and etiquette, how they play, what role they play in uh, someone's perceived gravitas. Well, there are a lot of people who want the very best of manners given to them as something as simple as responding to emails promptly, but yet they don't do the same thing to others. So when it comes to good manners and someone showing higher levels of civility, we notice the people who do take the time to use the pleases and the thank yous, but they do it authentically. They're not trying to be artificial ever. So when they say, please allow me or may I get back to you, rather than a more abrupt approach of, I'll just have to get back to you. So the manners issue is everything from body language to tone of voice. Are those the soft skills that you talk about? I mean, these are, is that the definition of what we're talking about? Yes, because soft skills and people skills are, are one and the same. Okay. And there are things that will endear us to others. And then there are things where we think, I cannot get away from this person fast enough because they've just said something that was not only inappropriate, they've now offended half of the room. Or they're close talkers. Yes. <laughs> now, so as a leader, um, I'll give you an example. I've it has sent an email to somebody and uh, their work style is to triage their emails and compartmentalize them. And I got an answer a week later and that's just their work style. And so it came across to me one way, but it really was not something that I took personally. And from their service level perspective, they answered it. But in my perspective, it was a week late. So these are the kind of misunderstandings and things that we can get to get into, right? That cause problems. Yes. And there is a tip that I give as part of one's reputation. And no, not everyone embraces it, but that's because a lot of people give themselves excuses. But if I receive an email, everyone deserves an acknowledgement. Even if I do not have time to answer everything you need at this moment, the very least I could do would be to respond to say, hey, Audrey, received your email. Please know I'm working on it. I'll have everything to you by Friday. That takes 15 seconds of my time. I have shown respect to you. I've also shown good time management. And I also, if I'm a manager, I'm leading by example. Got it. What are some of the other best practice standards then for etiquette? I think part of it is, just as we mentioned starting today's podcast on time, there are people who know 
who always start their meetings late. So they know they can arrive to those meetings late. There are people who do not stick to the agenda of a meeting. And of course, one of the biggest workplace complaints, unnecessary meetings and meetings that do not accomplish what was the meeting supposed to be about. So good manners always comes down to how am I showing respect for your time? And so our reputations precede us in being known as someone, if I schedule a meeting, it's worth going to. And it's going to start on time, it's going to hit the agenda, and it is going to end on time and maybe even early. And guess what? If I'm attending your meeting, I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm not going mm -hmm. to allow distractions. I am going to be an active participant, not a spectator. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a lightning round here, Deborah. So uh, I, I, I want to know the number one mistakes uh, that managers make or that just you know, people in the workplace make that, that basically that limit or lower their perceived gravitas. So you ready? I am ready. Okay, so number one mistake people make uh, at the table when they're, when they're dining with an, with an employee or a coworker. Would be probably being too fixated on their food and not knowing how to make small talk. Oh, okay. Ooh, expound on that. Well, there are some people, and I make the joke, that there are some people that you do not see the whites of their eyes again until the meal is over because they're just so engrossed in their food. And then they might have a, a sundry of other bad table manners from talking with food in their mouth, not using their napkin correctly, and certainly talking about things that might not be the best table conversation. Then there are people who also don't wait for everyone at the table to be served. So dining etiquette, because it is something that I still get a lot of requests for after all of these years, we do a lot of business in social situations. So a person might have impeccable business acumen and then their social skill set just goes right out the window and you think, okay, I don't believe I want to be across from them at the table. Mm -hmm. Wonder why person, yeah, you were the person that taught me which, which fork to use for the salad. So I mean, that, that was many years ago. So. Yeah, but Lee and I were in San Francisco. Uh, actually, no, we were in New York City, and we were at a business dinner with some people we had just met through an event. And the order came in pieces, and my plate was there before some other people. And I sat there and didn't touch it until everybody had their plates because that's what you do. And you're one of the rare ones. I applaud that, Audrey. Thank you. Oh, so, my mom would be proud. Yeah. Number one mistake people make to give away gravitas and how they dress. Mm. Well, in today's environment, it is no longer business casual. In most organizations, it seems to be casual. Mm. And that has become nothing short of a nightmare. So for a lot of people, I believe one of the biggest mistakes is the fact that no one's going to judge me because my work performance is excellent. So the fact that I look like a slob, that should not matter. But in fact, it does. People do not think about their look should say, even if I'm dressed business casual or casual, my look should say, I thought about what I'm wearing and I'm here to work. Number one mistake people make in a social setting, after, usually after hours. Like, you know, I'm, and I'm thinking like if you're invited, for example, to, to sit at a table for a nonprofit event or something like that. People reveal way too much information that is no one's business. As I say, as part of a reputation, once you put anything out there about yourself, it can and will be used against you. So be very careful with your small talk so that you don't say something later and then think, why on earth did I reveal that? And then that also leads me to my last one, which is number one mistake people make to give away gravitas and how they talk. 
a lot of it really is impacted today by the lack of talking. Because of the increase of texting and, of course, emailing over the years, there are many people, and not just Gen Y or Gen Z, but even Gen X, they are not as comfortable making small talk. They do not possess the same level of a verbal composure and vocabulary. Well, that leads me to a follow-up question. So I guess I said it was the last one, but it's not the last one. Number one mistake people make in their body language. Body language would be lack of approachability. A lot of people do not know if they are, in fact, approachable. And for a lot of people, they will have a facial expression that actually comes across as unfriendly and not inviting. So a lot of people, when they attend my mixing and mingling workshop, I talk about how your body language will say, please come up to me and talk to me or keep on walking. So approachability does not mean you smile all of the time, but it does mean you know your face well enough to know that you look welcoming and easy to talk to. What do you do with your hands in a situation like that? I know a lot of people really struggle with that. Especially when men have the advantage of trouser pockets. One of the things I stress to men, do not shove your hands in your pockets. That's a dead giveaway that you're uncomfortable. A lot of people start fidgeting and they do not know what to do with their hands unless they have something in their hands, which is why at a cocktail party, you can hold something in your left hand, always keeping your right hand free to shake hands, but don't shove them in your pockets. You could do the finger interlocked right at waist level, but remember, wherever your hands go, your eyes are going to follow, the eyes of people watching you. The eyes of others follow your hands. Hmm. So I have a question. Um, I actually this came from personal experience, but I'd like to hear how you would, as a leader, um, approach a more junior member of staff that needs improvement in some of these areas and open the dialogue and conversation about it. I actually had um, the CEO of a firm come to me when I was younger, and uh, she came to me with a gift card from uh, Nordstrom, and she had booked me with a personal shopper and had sent me off to get a nicer wardrobe, and I so appreciated that, and it was very kind. Um, so it can be a little bit, I could have taken it the wrong way, you know. Um, how would you approach, uh, if you're a leader, some of your junior people? Coach well, people start listening when you clearly articulate what is the benefit to me to listen to you. If you're asking me to do X, Y, and Z, how is this going to make my life better? Therefore, as soon as you start talking promotability, making more money, better sales, faster sales, etc. they listen. But you have to tie the benefit to them in immediately, which will help diffuse taking it personally. So let's then talk about the managers then. So if I'm a senior leader and I want to talk to a frontline manager then about uh, the, the importance, the necessity of Gravitas, what would you recommend to those folks? Well, I would start with along the same line would be, number one, I would ask myself, if I'm asking anyone to do this, or if I'm going to talk on these topics, am I leading by example? And then also personalize it by giving examples of what they learned. And as a matter of fact, one of the things I teach in my leadership programs includes start the dialogue with, as a leader, what I wish I had known, what mm. I wish someone had told me early in my career. And so when you humanize it and you demonstrate, I've been there. So I'm giving this to you as a benefit because I wish I had had that. 
Sure. There's that, and there's but always modeling the behavior that, that that you want them to see. I mean, first you have to establish yourself that you have credibility in this area <laughs> that you're being listened to, and you can't talk about gravitas if you don't have it. Right? Exactly, and this is why the humanization of it, and because I'm very involved in social media, I love the hashtag H2H. It's human to human, and as soon as you start telling someone they need to dress better, they then look at you head to toe. Mm-hmm. When you tell someone they need to be on time, they start recounting in their minds how many times you have been late. So you cannot talk it if you don't walk it. So it's dtn-productions.com. When did the two books come out, uh, Deborah? And I would mention to everybody that that website is where you can go to get the books as well. Yes. Well, currently one of them, the Tweetables for Life, is in the hands of my editor and reputation management will be in her hands late spring. And so we're looking at a summer delivery for those books. The Tweetables for Life, they are frankly my very little pithy quotes that I put on Twitter. That's pithy, right? P-I-T-H-Y, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. I love it. <laughs> So, give me an example of a couple of tweetables. I mean, let's, 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 let's wrap this up with a couple of tweetables that people yeah, can give ask. Give us a couple, Deborah. Well, I love tweeting about things that come down to either kindness, but I also do incorporate things from my workshops on business etiquette, etc. But one of my very favorite, as I say, tweetables I like to give out is on a daily, and I use quotes also from very famous people as well for it's excitement as also some optimism. But I do talk about the importance of this is my option and I have decided today to make a difference in someone's life. Oh, I love it. Well, I, like, I would love to have you back. Uh, Deborah. what a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, words of wisdom, everybody, please heed what she has to share today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.